Well, good evening again, church. How are you tonight? Blessed? Blessed? <laughs> Is anyone tired? Okay. It's the middle of the week, so that's understandable. Um, well, it's our last first things first of the year, and um, who's sad about that? Sorry, this is starting kind of depressing tonight, but, um, but man, what a sweet year this has been. I don't know if, uh, if you're like me, but this year has certainly been, uh, 2019 has been a, a, a year of new beginnings. It's gone very, very fast. Um, there's been some uh, mountaintop experiences, and there's been some valleys, <laughs> uh, but God is faithful, Amen. And he's always at work, and we can be confident in that. We can trust that. And he's here in this place tonight. Amen? I mean, that is our hope, that he's here. And uh, the heart of First Things First is really to tune into what the Holy Spirit is saying. And that's our heart tonight, is to tune into what he's saying. Because we want to leave this place changed. Amen? And touched by the very presence of God, um, because he's a good father, and he only gives good gifts to those who ask. So uh, let's just bow our heads in a word of prayer tonight. And... Um, and let's just ask the Holy Spirit to open our eyes to see Jesus um, revealed through his word. Lord, we, we love you. We just believe tonight, um, God, that it is true that every word, Lord, on the pages of this precious Bible that we hold in our hands has been inspired by you. It is God-breathed, and, and we thank you. We thank you for that, Lord. And we can trust in, in your perfection tonight. And we just ask, God, in, in a big way, that Holy Spirit, you would reveal Jesus to us tonight and that we would see him clearly. And Lord, we are here humbly asking that you would speak to our hearts and our minds and that you would encourage us. Um, because Lord, we are, uh, we are but fleshly beings. Lord, we are broken. and We need your touch tonight, Holy Spirit. So would you, would you comfort, Lord? And would you bring healing? And would you rebuild? And would you repair tonight as only you are able to do? We ask this in the name of Jesus. Everyone who agrees, say... Amen. Tonight, I'm not going to ask you to turn to a specific passage, but um, I have it impressed on my heart that we would just consider the, the, the biblical character Nehemiah. Now, who here has ever heard uh, uh, the biblical character name Nehemiah, right? So Nehemiah's story is obviously recorded in the book of, of Nehemiah that we see in the Old Testament. And this is a very powerful story. It's a story of redemption. As a staff, in this past year, in 2019, Pastor Rob had us... Um, have several discussion, discussions surrounding this book, and it, it is a very encouraging book. And in this book, in Nehemiah's story, we can see uh, very clearly our Heavenly Father's ability to, I mean, like, work miracles and perform um, incredible acts of redemption and rebuilding and repairing. And so that's kind of what we want to consider tonight. It's a powerful story that we're going to look at together. And, and, and for those of you who maybe aren't familiar with the, the story of Nehemiah, what I want us to do is I kind of want us to just catch, up to catch us up to speed as far as to who this biblical character is. Why is he important? Why is his story important? Why is it in the Bible? And what's going on when we come to the book of Nehemiah in the Old Testament? So I want us to go back um, a few thousand years right now. So we're going we're gonna to get a little time machine back you know, a few thousand years to the city of Jerusalem. And I just want us to consider a monumental event that took place there that had a great impact on Jewish history and had a great impact on the Lord's, our Lord's overarching story of redemption that we see uh, recorded throughout Scripture. So it's 605 BC, 
And we have King Nebuchadnezzar. Who's ever heard of that guy? That guy's pretty gnarly. King Nebuchadnezzar of the Empire of Babylon. He rides into Jerusalem and he completely destroys the city. They lay waste to the city. And Babylon takes countless Jews into captivity as slaves. Now, for us in the 21st century, that's, that's not really a historical context <laughs> that we're used to, right? Having a, an entire uh, nation in, enslaved and brought into captivity. That's a pretty heavy reality, am I right? I mean, you have, uh, obviously, people's lives being completely turned upside down. I mean, this is a big deal. And so Babylon comes in and wreaks havoc. Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar under, under his rule, there are, there are countless Jews that are brought into slavery and captivity, and they're brought back to Babylon. And the end game for Babylon as that empire was to take uh, the most brilliant young Jewish minds of the time and conform them to the ideologies and the philosophies of that age. So we see the chosen people of God, the Jews, now in exile again. (laughs) But God, right? God is on the move as he always is. And so we begin to see the Lord working in the lives of his chosen people despite such incredibly difficult and destructive circumstances. And I want us to consider something tonight. For the city of Jerusalem to be destroyed is, it's really no small thing. For the city to be destroyed is no small thing. I mean, check this out. I'm going to read this to you. The Lord, Yahweh, is recorded saying in 2 Chronicles chapter 6, verse 6, he says this, But now I have chosen Jerusalem as the place for my name to be honored. And I have chosen David to be king over my people, Israel. Jerusalem was the geographical location where our Lord chose to reveal himself. So it is no small thing that a foreign empire invades and completely destroys it. I can only imagine what must have been taking place in the hearts and the minds of those precious Jewish individuals. Our our Lord chose Jerusalem as the place for his name to be honored and worshiped and adored and remembered. He revealed himself there. On a much lesser level for us in America, it would be as if an invading army crossed over our borders, went to Washington, D.C., wiped out the White House, destroyed all of our monuments that honor our forefathers, the Senate, the Congress, completely laid waste to Washington, D.C. I mean, we would would look at that as Americans and say, that is a a travesty. How disrespectful, how terrible. And on, on a much more severe, in a much more severe way, you have Babylon coming in and destroying Jerusalem, the place where the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, I mean, the God of this universe chooses to reveal himself. So it's a big deal. But let's fast forward from 605 BC, 150 years, and we meet our man, Nehemiah. 
Nehemiah was born in captivity. He was raised in captivity and exile in Babylon. And when we come to the book of Nehemiah, we discover that this man had a high position um, within the government in Babylon. He was the king's cupbearer, which I'm sure we can all understand is a pretty serious and prominent position in the government of the time. He was privy to, to really spending so much time with uh, the emperor. And God begins to move in Nehemiah's life. In chapter one, we see that God is, is, is placing a burden on Nehemiah's heart. He's moving, he's giving him a desire to return to Jerusalem. So they're in exile and and God is burdening Nehemiah's heart to return to Jerusalem like many of his Jewish counterparts, except his burden and his calling was unique. God was calling Nehemiah to spearhead. I mean, it's basic, it's, it's like a revolution to spearhead a rebuilding of the broken down walls of Jerusalem that had taken place 150 years prior to Nehemiah in the Babylonian destruction in 605 BC. It's amazing. What I want us to focus on briefly tonight is what takes place in the story of Nehemiah when he arrives in Jerusalem. We are told in the book of Nehemiah that shortly after arriving to the city of Jerusalem, Nehemiah, he ventures out in the middle of the night. It's about three days he's been in Jerusalem and he ventures out in the middle of the night in order to survey the walls and fully assess the damage. So he, you know, he can understand what he's working with, right? Any smart builder would do this. So I just want to read from Nehemiah chapter two and you don't have to turn there. You can just follow along. It's, it's a narrative. Um, but Nehemiah is writing. He says, so I came to Jerusalem and was there three days. Then I arose in the night, I and a few men with me. I told no one what my God had put in my heart to do at Jerusalem, nor was there any animal with me except the one on which I rode. And I went out by night through the valley gate to the serpent well and the refuse gate and viewed the walls of Jerusalem, which were broken down, and its gates, which were burned with fire. So I want us to stop right there. For a moment tonight, I want us to consider, to ponder, for a moment, the Hebrew word that is used here in chapter 2, verse 13 where we read that Nehemiah viewed the walls of Jerusalem. The Hebrew word for viewed is, uh, don't think I'm a dork. I'm just going to say it. Uh, I always get a little bit uh, self-conscious before I say an original Hebrew or Greek word. But here we go. So the Hebrew word is savar, savar. And it means to examine, to inspect, So Nehemiah's mission in Jerusalem begins with examining, inspecting the broken city walls. Now, I think this is very interesting. You might be here tonight and, and, you know, you might be thinking to yourself, well, of course he does this, Pete. Any smart builder would assess the damage and, and see what he's working with. And of course, you know, at first glance, this might not seem very profound, And yet, what Nehemiah is doing 
in verse 13 by viewing, by inspecting, examining the walls is incredibly important. Nehemiah is a very unique name. Nehemiah's name means comforter. Means comforter. Nehemiah's mission, his burden, his call to examine the city walls of Jerusalem and to take part in rebuilding and repairing them is a foreshadow of a greater reality that is available to us in the 21st century today. And I am speaking of the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. Jesus himself described the Holy Spirit as the comforter. And I think it's incredible that that's what Nehemiah's name means, the comforter. The one who aids and assists us in our walk with Jesus. And just as Nehemiah, whose name means comforter, examined the brokenness of Jerusalem in order to rebuild and repair, so too the Holy Spirit, the greater comforter, is active in examining the broken down walls of our hearts and our lives in order to redeem and rebuild. Amen? In order for there to be repair, rebuild, redemption, the broken areas of the wall needed to be examined and probed by Nehemiah. And for our lives, it's the same. In order for there to be repair, in order for there to be a rebuilding, in order for there to be redemption, the broken areas of the broken walls of our hearts and our lives need to be examined and probed by the great comforter, the Holy Spirit. The end game, Pastor Rob uh, beautifully describes this um, the end game of the Holy Spirit is to conform us into the image of Christ. Amen? But we need to understand that that's not always comfortable. <laughs> right? This idea of Nehemiah examining the walls of the city and inspecting the wall. I mean, it, is a, it, it points to what the Holy Spirit, the greater comforter does in our lives. And it can be uncomfortable. Who's been there before? When the, when the Lord is like, hey, uh, that needs to change. Hey, this is where you're weak and vulnerable. There's a gap in the wall of your life here and we need to work on this. It can be painful But friends, let me remind you tonight that Jesus described the Holy Spirit as the comforter, not the condemner. He said, I'm going to send the comforter, not the condemner. It's a beautiful process. It's an important process. And it's an important part of what we are doing here tonight. It's to ask the Lord. It's to ask the greater comfort. Lord, what 
what do you want to do in me? Where am I vulnerable? Where are there gaps in the walls of my heart and in the walls of my life? There can never be a repair unless the damage is assessed. If Nehemiah never stepped out in the middle of the night to see what the condition of the wall actually looked like, the process of rebuilding would never have taken place. It's an important first step. And so as believers, as those who are in Christ, let us be open to the Holy Spirit examining and inspecting our own hearts and our own lives so that where there is need for repair, where there is need for redemption, he is able to make it happen. Our God is a God who redeems, amen? Our God is a God who is very much into comeback stories. <laughs> Some of you here tonight might be a, a, just a walking, a living, breathing comeback story, an underdog. I mean, praise be to God that you're here. Really the heart behind what's taking place in Nehemiah and, and really in our lives here tonight is, is really in the same vein as, as the psalmist where he says, Lord, would you search me? Would you search me and know me? Try me and test my thoughts and see if there's any wicked way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. That's a scary, that's a scary prayer. <laughs> Lord, would you search me and know me? Because oftentimes he'll find things that need to change but it's for his greater redemptive good. Amen? And uh, spoiler alert, the walls in Jerusalem are rebuilt. And the Lord does an incredible miracle because that's who he is. He's a God who works miracles. He's a God who loves us enough to not leave us the way that we are. He loves us way too much. So he is constantly in the rebuilding process. So tonight, as we wait on the Lord and as we transition into a time of just being still in his presence, you know, what, what, what Pastor Rob reminded us right in the beginning of the service is so true. Those that wait on the Lord will renew their strength. You know, it, we live in a world that hates waiting. And so it's time for the church to really, we have to stretch that, we have to work out that spiritual muscle of waiting on the Lord and being patient for him to speak and being patient for him to move because we have Google in our pockets that gives us an immediate answer to whatever we need. The Lord isn't always like that though. Sometimes the Lord will speak to you in four or five months. Are you okay with that? We need to be okay with that because he's good and he knows what he's doing. So tonight we wait on the Lord because we know that our strength is renewed. So I'm going to invite Pastor Rob back up and he's just going to pray for this time as we transition and let us allow our hearts to be open and um, willing to receive from the Holy Spirit if there is a rebuilding and a repair that needs to take place tonight. All right. Good, good word. Um, challenging word. Scary word. <laughs> um, but a lot of good things come from when we come before God and say, God, I want to be an open book. I want, I want you to search me. I want you to, to, to do what you want to do in my heart tonight and in my life. And it's really key. So 
Um, thank you, Pete, for that. So let's pray. Uh, Lord, we do. We come before you. And, and Lord, first of all, we're, we're reminded that you are a good, good father. That you love us so much. And that you literally want the best for us. But oftentimes that best is very different than what we think. And so tonight, I, I just want to join with my brothers and sisters here tonight and be open to you to search us as individuals, to know us, to reveal tonight things in us that you want to strengthen, you want to change, you want to challenge. Lord, I know, and I, and I just want to agree with my brothers and sisters, we, we don't want comfortable Christianity. But we want to be men and women of God. So have your way tonight here in this place as we come before you right now. May your spirit lead and may your spirit work. And we thank you that you are a God who loves us so much that you're willing to work in our lives and you desire to make us more like Jesus. So we give you this time in Jesus' name. Amen.